This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Usman and Masvidal get into it at the Super Bowl. MMA versus Stephen A. Curtis Blades beats JDS but remains in limbo. Chris Cyborg becomes the champion in a fourth major promotion. Plus, interviews with light heavyweight champion John Jones and the challenger Dominic Reyes. They face off next Saturday at UFC 247 in Houston, Texas. Thanks to those listening to us on TSN Radio in Toronto and Ottawa. Order the podcast. Please subscribe. Tell your friends. Review the show on iTunes. It means the world to us, and we appreciate it. And if you want to reach out to us on Twitter, social media, at Aaron Bronstetter, at Bazooka Joe V, please feel free to send us your questions and uh, and to say hello. How are you, Joe? I am good. Nice to see you again, Aaron. Good, yeah. You know, yesterday was uh, Bellas Talk Day. Yeah. And I was tweeting out all kinds of different stories of athletes in the UFC uh, and MMA as a whole that uh, had struggled at some point in time with depression or mental illness. Um, and one article I saw, I, I can't remember who it was, but one of the fighters said they felt like the promotions weren't doing enough to help fighters work through their issues in terms of mental illness. Yeah. They said the UFC is doing probably more than anybody else. But um, what's your experience been like just you know, as a fighter? I know that you had uh, had some dark yep. times during uh, your, your tenure with Glory as champion. Uh, tell me a little bit about you know things from a me- mental yeah. health angle in terms of fighting. Well, I think in, in general, I think people don't understand um, what's involved in in head injuries, and I think it's uh, people think a head injury they they think headaches. You know, first thing, oh, do you have headaches? Do you have you know? Um, what's your symptoms? Do you have nausea? Uh, they they think of the classic uh, head injury symptoms, but one of the ones you can't see and you don't even know what's going on is depression. And part of concussions, it's scary. Like after my big one, I mean, again, there was more factors a part of mine. It was more like, am I ever going to fight again? Am I have to give up my world title? So there's extra stressors on. But on top of that, from the concussion, I mean, my brain chemistry was all out of the, out of whack. So, I mean, I was uh, saying things I would never say. I was always down. I couldn't get out of that uh, depressed state. And I mean, my hormones and my, my brain was probably off for like a good year. Um, just emotional more than I ever would be, and I didn't understand until I started reading and understanding and talking to people about it. Um, so now, now that I understand that it's a big thing, even with Glory, I reach out to Glory fighters who get knocked out, and I just message them and say, hey, if you need someone to talk to, I'm here. That's it. I mean, I have people reach out to me down the road, years down, and said, hey, you remember, you know, you asked um you said I can talk to you if I need anything because a lot of fighters feel they can't speak to anyone. You can't just go to your colleague and say, hey, man, I'm depressed, I'm sad, I'm crying a little bit. Um, you seem vulnerable. So at that point, I mean, you need maybe someone else who's been through that situation to talk to you. But, I mean, depression and head injuries is real. Concussion and, and depression, you got to keep an eye on it. That's, I think that's the biggest one um, that goes undetected. Even with losses. Think about fighters who lost. I just heard uh, Frankie Edgar on Rogan saying, man, all Christmas I was depressed. I mean, I lost. I just got knocked out and I got TKO'd. That's part of it. You put your whole life into the sport, so losing puts you into that uh, depressed mental state. Even with head injuries, anxiety. Fighters start experiencing anxiety that they haven't experienced before. You start panicking. Um, Things are different when you get hit in the head, and that's what really scares me about young kids and concussions because it changes their brain chemistry. It changes the neural pathways. I mean, it's it's a serious issue in the sport, and I think uh, as a community, I think UFC have to make sure guys like I don't think it's sad to say or as a macho thing to say. Go speak to someone. Go speak to a therapist. You know, have people around you that you can talk to, and I think that's where that bell talk is is important. Yeah, you know, um, Jorge Masvidal won the BMF title, which crowns him, you know, in in quotes as the baddest yeah. MF in the game. 
even he has talked about suffering from anxiety, for depression, sure. He's social anxiety. He's been hit anxiety. in the head for many years. Yeah. Yeah. Nate Diaz has talked about having social anxiety. Yeah. You know, this is something where people have, over time, made mental illness be equated with softness, like being soft or yep. being... But it's it's an illness, right? So yep. it's, it's hard to... It's hard to get that out, and I think that over the last 10 years that uh, they've been doing Bell Let's Talk, and I always say it's the proudest day of the, of the year for me to represent Bell, like to, to, to say, I, you know, I work for Bell, and um, on, on Bell Let's Talk Day, that's the day where I'm proudest to work for Bell, because I know that we're, you know, people always say, oh, it's a corporate thing and all that, but I, I think that they need to see past that and just realize that, you know, there's been... Hundred and five plus million dollars donated to Canadian hmm. mental health groups. Like that's a lot of money. Huge and huge. I also just think that the money aside, it's allowed people at least one day where they feel safe to express what they go through or what they've mm-hmm. been through or what they're they're going through or what a family member is going through without judgment. Yeah, and I think yeah. that that's way more value than the hundred and five million dollars. Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's bigger than we all think. And I mean. Uh, I'll I'll give share a story of when I was in high school. We went to uh, a homeless shelter, and uh, I mean, I grew up and and seeing her like, why don't they just go to work? I don't understand oh, yeah, this, and I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you lazy? I'm working. I'm doing. I'm not giving you any change. And then as you go and you start to see her like, man, people are suffering out there. Do you think they want to be out there? And and then they, uh, the homeless shelter was talking about mental mental illnesses and depression and schizophrenia and bipolar and I was like man I didn't realize that you know and then it started make me think of uh, you know different situations where I was like you have to understand mental health in in, in this society it's, it's it's everybody's probably suffering from some sort of it I mean even the most confident people probably have insecurities when they're down I'm sure there's things that they're worried about so I mean it's it's a we all have it so it's got to be open we got to talk about it so Bell let's talk. Yeah, and even if it's not just an actual mental illness, it's mental health. Like yeah. mental health, everybody has struggles with their mental health. Like Absolutely. there's no, there's nobody I think on the planet that can say, "Oh, my whole life has just yeah. been happy." They're lying. Like, I've, I've never had any uh, dark times in my life. Yeah, um, pretending is good too because it kind of changes you. Sometimes you have to lie to yourself to get out of these right. things. But self talk. But, and but stuff. pretending in the eyes of other people is dangerous. Like if yeah. I were to go on Instagram and say, you know, That's I'm on a the... cruise, I'm in Peru and all this stuff, like it, it actually brings people down that they're like, oh, well, why, why are they experiencing this? But that's great, probably what's one of the life. causes of the depression 100%. is social media. You know, I was surprised. I was talking to Michael Landsberg yesterday and he said that every year the number of suicides in Canada is 4,000. Yeah. Um, and I think the amount of attempts was 80,000. Like it was a high number of suicide attempts, but 4,000 a year. He says it's basically been consistent across the board. And I said, I'm surprised it hasn't gone up. Like, there's more people now, obviously. Like, mm-hmm. the population's going up. But also, the pressures of the social pressures and social anxiety and, and yep. the pressures of living up to this certain uh, image, it's a lot of pressure yeah, for, for people, especially people that are, that are in their teenage years where it's really important for you to put on this kind of this face, this like yeah. this, this front, basically. It's physical insecurities. I mean, you're seeing younger girls having to get... Uh, you know, into plastic surgeries, and it's just they're not up to this social standard that we've created, and it, it's sad, and it's creating a lot of, you know, insecurities in people. So, I mean, I think that's where it has to start. I mean, you can't even take a picture now without being worried, oh, my God, let me see it. Is it going to go on Instagram? It's like everyone's just so stressed out about, you know, how they're going to look on social media or people who have to, 
You know, I'm always those people who always comment and make posts about how happy they are. I mean, you got to think like if you're over, like there's something there. You know, my wife and I always say that like the the more times on Facebook you see like couples together and pictures of couples with kids, the, the, least, like, the happy least less happy they, they are. Yeah, maybe we, I like, hope never, so. we like never post family pictures yeah. on uh, on Facebook. Yeah. We just like we just we're living, we're having, we're enjoying you're our life. You know, you, guys, yeah. you don't need to show people. You know, yeah. you don't need to give people a peek behind the curtain. It's just whatever. Yeah, once know? in a while, it's nice. Yeah, of course. Like especially yeah. if it's just like so you a hire nice, a photographer. Yeah. But you know, we have these family pictures in our house that we took. And my wife says she hates them because she was like at such a low point at that point in time when we took. Mm-hmm. And she like looks at them and she like they're such nice she pictures of that. But time. they're like yeah, but they're such nice pictures. Like she's smiling, everybody's happy. Yeah. But like it's it was a time where like we were both of us were barely getting any sleep. Yeah. Especially yeah. her because she's you know the mother is feeding the child. Obviously I, I can't do oh, that yeah. using the, the you know, unfortunately I don't have uh, breast milk to that I can create. But yeah. like. You know, it's really uh, ta- being a parent's very taxing in terms of like you lose a lot of sleep and mm-hmm. you know there's a lot. You're busy all day and then you barely get any sleep at night and then you have to be busy again like over and over and over again. It's a cycle. But um, you know, like so, when she sees see those pictures, even though they're nice pictures, like she it brings her back to like how she felt on that day and mm-hmm. says and like it upsets her that we basically put out these pictures that yeah. are we didn't put That's them out fair. but they're in our house but That's put up fair. these pictures that are like kind of a facade. Yeah, we need a new Bronstetter family picture. Yeah, exactly. That's it. We should get pictures of like realistic lives where like she's up late at night. And, like, <laughs> yeah, there you go. She's, like, hey, we take it at 2 a.m. with the baby crying. But I think that's where, I mean, a lot of depression comes from, too. You got to think young parents and parents having with kids. It's like your life totally changes. Yeah, I mean, fast. Like it doesn't quickly. seem like that long ago that I was in university. And, and it was then a long all of time a sudden ago, it might yeah. hit you being like, oh, man, like I'm 40 years old. I have kids. I'm not sleeping. I stopped worrying about myself. I don't do activities anymore. My social life has gone down. My sleep quality is crazy. I haven't got my hair done. I don't get manicures. You know, I don't do things for me. I don't go to the gym as much anymore. Like... Things add up, and I mean, I see a lot of people, a lot of friends with kids, get through that little depressed phase. Yeah, it's a thing; it's well, real. Well, why don't we transition to something a little bit less serious, like yeah, Stephen A. Smith? Positive. There, yeah, you go. there we go. I like how you started it, though. Uh, what, how did you? What was the the word? MMA against Stephen A. Yeah, MMA versus Stephen, Stephen A. A. Yeah, I like it. But that's what it is. You know, it's it's funny because you know I kind of expressed my viewpoint on this on on Twitter, like him saying that Cowboys a quitter to me is pretty unacceptable like i don't think you can i don't i don't care really who you are you're not really qualified to say that would you agree with that like you really can't like maybe on that night Mm -hmm. you know he lost faster than he might have lost on another night or maybe because it's again a big event and he has in the past not been able to rise up to those occasions but like to call somebody a quitter that's that's put months of work into this one singular event Mm -hmm. i think is just totally unfair yeah i think it's unfair in both ways, okay? Because I think it's unfair, one, for Cowboy to be called a quitter because thinking about his past, his history, what he's done for the sport, um, that's not right to be called that. But I think when you look back at Stephen A's style, his journalism, um, his style, I'm going to call it his style. Yeah, his brand. His yeah. brand mm-hmm. is very aggressive that way. It's very to the point. It's very aggressive at times. I mean, I feel our sport is a little different, but, like, where he's made his brand, like basketball, he's not maybe a basketball specialist. A lot of basketball players might feel, you know, upset that he says those things. Don't tell him he's not a basketball specialist. Well, I mean, whatever it is. (laughs) But compared to a coach or a player, like, even if, uh, I'm sorry, like, even if if I was fighting and Rogan goes, well, Joe should have turned over his low kick more, but excuse me? 
Mm-hmm. I should have done what? Like, I mean, I would take it personally too. Like, oh, Joe, like I've I've had Duke Rufus say things against my Raymond Dance. Like, I am pressuring. Like, what are you talking about? I'm in his face. How many shots am I have to sit there and take? I'm not moving. I'm sliding on the ring. Like, so you take things personally. Well, I have lost friends in commentary because um, we take things personally. So I think he was trying to play his style to MMA, and I just don't think it works for it. Yeah, 100%. But that, that's the reason. Sorry, let me explain the reason for that is because MMA is a very insular sport. Like a lot of people that follow MMA, because MMA is every weekend, like they're watching MMA more than any other sport. They're not invested in any other sport. So when they see outsiders come into our space, as they, they like to think of it, yeah. like they're entering our space, they need to be educated on it. They need to be sensitive to the fighters. They need to like respect you know, what the fighters are doing. And it's not that Stephen A doesn't do that. But the reason, like, people that are getting upset about Stephen A are overlooking his utility mm-hmm. in that moment. His utility is he's on Sports Center after a big event where you've got eyeballs that aren't normally on the sport. Like, my sister watched that fight. My sister, this is the first fight she's ever watched. But there are people like that that are big time sports fans that watch ESPN all week and they're building to this event. And they're like, you know, I'm going to check this out. I don't usually watch the UFC, or I've watched maybe one or two events here or there. I watched Ronda Rousey fight a couple years ago. I'm going to put 60 bucks down, and I'm going to watch Conor McGregor because this is a big deal. And as soon as it ends, if they see Stephen A. Smith there, they've got a familiar face. Because like the people that are watching this event, a lot of them are looking for something that they recognize. Now, Joe Rogan obviously is a recognizable face, but if mm-hmm. you don't listen to the Joe Rogan podcast, he's probably not super relevant to you if you're not a, like a UFC fan. So to see Stephen A. Smith there, if you're a general sports fan, every general sports fan, football fan, basketball fan, they know who Stephen A. Smith is. Mm-hmm. So they see him there, and now suddenly they're like, oh, okay, well, this, this guy's in my living room every day, and now he's in my living room again, and this must be a big deal because Stephen A. is there. The, the ESPN's, ESPN have sent Stephen A. to be part of this big event for that reason because he, you know, Stephen A. doesn't go to low-level events. He goes to the big events. The biggest ones, yeah. And like you said, Stephen A. Smith isn't paid money so that everybody agrees with him. Yeah. It's the opposite. Yeah. He, he speaks in hyperbole. He's loud. He's brash. And he says controversial, things. Like he's he controversial. He's controversial. Yeah, and he says him. things that people will disagree with. And I think that he, in his heart of heart, believes that Cowboy quit that night. Yeah. I think that given how much of the sport he watches, and apparently he does watch a good amount of the sport, but not enough that he's like super well-versed in it. But I, whatever, I, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt that that's actually what he believed. And now people are saying, well, you, you, you really shouldn't say that. And his mindset is like, why not? He probably calls Jay Cutler. He called Jay Cutler, the quarterback of the Bears, who's getting crushed by defensive linemen, defensive tackles. He called him a quitter for years and said he didn't work hard and said that he wasn't a good quarterback. Yeah, like, yeah. That's still somebody who every day is going to the gym, is going to practice, is working on his craft and all that. It's not that much different. Like, listen, I know he's not getting punched in the face, but his body is – he's still putting his body on the line – in a football game every weekend mm-hmm. for whatever, 18 weeks of the year, whatever it is, even longer because of preseason and all that stuff, training camp, he's putting his body on the line. And this guy's saying that he's not a good quarterback, that he sucks, that he's, you know, doesn't make good decisions, yeah. that he's got a low football IQ, like all of these different things. And he's sitting there in a, in a chair in a studio. Yeah. But Stephen A. Smith works hard on what he's doing, too. Yeah. He watches hours of sports every Works, night. He's researching. He's, he's at every event. Like we, I think everybody's just got to like be a little bit, you know, I hate to say less sensitive because every time I post something on Twitter, I'm being too sensitive Everyone's, all of a sudden. Yeah. No, you're too sensitive. No, everybody who's upset about Stephen A. Smith here needs to realize why, why he is at this event and what the reason for him you know, being part of this broadcast is, which is to take people that aren't normally watching this event and make them feel comfortable. Yeah. And he just said what he saw. Like, I mean, and honestly, he is different. 
We're talking about him because he was different. If he just went in there and just said, yeah, so Rogan, you tell me what you saw tonight. That's boring. It's yeah. not good entertainment. We're talking about him a week after the event. I know a lot of good, a lot of bad, but he's still doing what he's known for, being controversial. So, I mean, I think it works for him. No matter what, it worked for what he was trying to do and accomplish. I just think it's the sensitivity of, you know, maybe the fighters that are getting upset about it, but he's doing what he has to do. I don't know. I, I didn't think it was crazy. I don't necessarily agree. What if he was But I don't think you? it was crazy to have what if, said. What if he was at Bader versus, um, well, I was going to say Van Roosmal. I was Rico? confused. Rico Verhoeven. Mm-hmm. Let's say he was at Bader versus Rico. And uh, they said, you know, this is on ESPN. We, we really want to make kickboxing feel big this weekend. We're going to put it on ESPN. And Stephen A. Smith's going to be there. And it's going to be a big deal. And after, after the main event... You're going to talk to him, and he comes out and says, Botter quit. He got injured. He should have continued. A lot of people thought that, too. What would you say to him? I would have said, hey, you know what? Botter's been... I would have said it more in like a a proper intellectual way. I would have said, hey, man, look at Botter's history. You know, He's got injured. We can't say. Look at his past. One of the best knockout records. I mean, he just knocked Rico down twice. What are you going to say? Like, I mean, why would he want to go out when he just knocked down the the champ twice? But a lot of people felt Botter quit in real life. Mm-hmm. They actually thought that. And, and I, that's the thing. I think a lot of people probably thought Cowboy quit. Yeah. I think a lot of people probably thought But it's not Cowboy crazy. Up- but it was different. I mean, I don't think it was crazy for him to say. I mean, again, in the context of you know nothing, you're talking about Donald Cerrone. But he's just being different. He's talking. I think people are blowing up what he's saying a little too much. That's my point. Yeah, like, But if, if Paul Felter had said, I think Felter was part of that broadcast. But if he had said, man, it really seemed like Donald quit in there. Nobody would have said a word because yeah. he's qualified to say that. Yeah, Donald probably would have been mad at him, but of the, course, the, the, of course. the, the but population the, as a whole would have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah, yeah maybe. I can, yeah, see, I can that. see what he's saying from the perspective of a fighter. It wasn't but crazy. Stephen what he A. Smith said, says it, but it could have been just like, uh, yeah, you know, you know, he quit on the stool. Like, I mean, he could have meant it in that way. Like, he just didn't know the terminology meant like. To be a quitter in fighting means you're like a loser. Like even if you tap sometimes, like you tap, yeah, man, go out, man. Yeah, you're a quitter. A quitter. Choke yeah. out, man. Like go out, go out on your shield. So I mean, it's just part of the sport. You you look like you look less alpha if you tap. Mm-hmm. You don't go out. You know, you don't get choked out. You don't go out on your shield. I just think it's the culture, and I don't think it's as crazy as people think. You think that that's a bad culture? Like that's a bad part of the culture? Yes like and this, no. It's like it's a bit of a macho um, mentality that that could but put stand it this to go way. Away. Joe now, yes. Joe in the ring, I ain't tapping. Mm-hmm. Joe in the ring, you knock me out before I wa- I have to get my hand in a decision. Like my fight with Holtzkin, like I would much rather go out on my shield. That's me personally because I took fighting as life or death, not as a game. So I've been to two decisions in my whole career because I'd rather go out and finish you or be finished if I'm losing. So to me, I'm I don't know. I mean, even Cerrone, if he went out, he went out. Like I mean, he he fought. Yeah, he got hit. Oh, yeah, he, 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 wasn't, he, he wasn't recovering, but yeah, yeah. he got out there. He, he took fought. his shots, yeah. he shelled up. The ref stopped it. Nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I mean, personally, I would never call a fighter a quitter, and especially when yeah. again, I look at what Donald Cerrone went, you know, did. I watched the documentary about his training camp for that fight. Like, you see the work. Like, if you if you think about what all these people went through, and you also have to remember how mental of a game this is. Like, this is not chess. Like, this is this is life or death ramifications here, mm-hmm. and. Sometimes people, it depends on how you woke up that morning. Like any, like even the l- smallest thing can just set you off. And even mm-hmm. I don't know if you heard uh, Kamaru Usman and, on uh, Rogan's show. Parts of it, yeah. Yeah, like he was talking about how some days he goes to the gym and like guys beat him, and he's just like, "How did how did I become champion? Like I, yeah. I'm not good at this." Yeah. 
I bet you everybody who everybody. fights has those days. You should. Otherwise, you're not. You don't have hard enough training partners. You're always putting in yourself where you're winning. You need to be grinded. You yeah. need to feel that. Go home some days. We're like, man, I couldn't get this guy off of me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure in a week that this doesn't yeah. happen. And look That's at Misha Sirkinov. I think it's really helped him that he big moved time. to Las Vegas. Yeah, big rather time. than being the you know a big fish in the small pond, he's a small small fish in the big yeah. pond, right? And, he got and, his training partners, mm-hmm. other big boys, other guys that can test him in his wrestling. Like he's got heavyweights to train with now. I think he had hard time even getting sparring partners here. He's a big boy. Yeah, and he's admitted to it. He's yeah. admitted that he perhaps um, should have left sooner. Yeah. So that kind of thing can play a factor. So what's your final thoughts? On what, Stephen A.? Stephen A. Well, I th- again, I think my, my final thought and is And you being like, part of CSN, and you got to think maybe there's some characters like, say, Jay and Dan talk about something. Say that happened mm-hmm. there. Yeah. What's your final thoughts? Well, again, I just think people need to remember what the utility is. Like that's, that's what my view of it is, is like his utility isn't to provide in-depth analysis on MMA or to like be politically correct or to you know, try to appease the MMA fan. Quite the opposite. Mm-hmm. So the sooner that people come to grips with why he's on the, the broadcast, yeah. what he says is almost secondary. Like, you have to remember why he's there rather than what he says. So you're almost like me. You agree and disagree almost. You're yeah, almost... Like, but the thing is, like, I think it's okay to disagree with him. I don't, like, I don't think that, like, by me defending his right to say what he's saying or yeah. him being on the broadcast that I agree with what he says. I don't agree yeah. with what he says. Yeah. But I think that if you look at why he's on the broadcast as a whole, you can put into perspective why exactly it was said. Yeah, that why way. it was said and why he's saying what he's saying and what his job is on the broadcast yeah. in general. Yeah. All right. I agree. Cool. Boom. There we go. No debate here. No, no. We're not embracing debate. We're just, no. we're just going to. Yeah, agree but with we're one also another. both people who are on the side of journalism as well. So we kind of understand the role. If you haven't been in our position, it might be a little bit more difficult to see how we have to play. I well, mean, you've been on both sides, which I think is good. Yeah, I mean, I see it as both. Like as a fighter, I probably would have taken it personally for sure. But how many times am I in a commentary booth where Todd asks me, uh, my my broadcast partner there, he'll say, Joe, who do you think won this fight? And I have to give my opinion. Sometimes it's different than what the judges thought. It's different than what the other corner side is different than what the whole fans thought, you know, but it's like my Jason Wilness Israel Adesanya fight. I get a lot of, you know, talk about that. Israel still talks about how he doesn't agree with it. I thought Wilness won. The judges gave it to him. I watched it back and I was like, yeah, probably if I watched it live, I would have given uh sorry, on tape, I would have given it to Adesanya. But at that moment, I felt it was Wilness, and I said it. But I'll, I'll tell Izzy that next time I see him. That's it. That Joe's changed his mind about that fight. Yeah, he, I he's gone it. back and watched it. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes when you're in the fight, it's totally different than when you rewatch it. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, and it's the same thing. Like, I was talking to a colleague here about Jones versus Tiago Santos. And uh, he said, I think Santos won that That's fight. That's a good example. And yeah. I said to him, I go, the problem with when you're watching a live fight, and it's a Jones or a GSP or a Khabib, any success that someone has against them is you amplified only, by three. Yeah. And you only see that part. Right. Yeah. But if you go back and watch it, sh- shut up the volume. Just yeah. Because the volume, I think the commentary was kind of biased towards 100%. Santos. Because he was having more success than they would have thought he'd have. Yeah. And um, if you go back and watch it, like it's pretty clear that Jones won that fight, in my opinion. Yeah. And then if you go back and watch GSP versus Hendricks, I thought Hendricks won on the night of. I was like, what a robbery. But... If I go back and watch it, like maybe I'll think differently. I went back and watched. I thought Yoel versus Whitaker two was a robbery, and I went back and watched it, and it was a robbery. Okay, yeah, yeah. I was when I I was correct. Yeah, uh, at least in my mind. Especially when you're commentating, because I'm looking down at notes. Like I'll I'll say it honestly here. Like in that Rico Botter collision fight. 
The second time Rico got knocked down, I was looking down at my paper. So I didn't even get to see it live. I didn't even know what happened. I looked down quickly to kind of find a stat about, I think it was Botter, about one of his older fights. I well, looked he's down. Like Todd, the ah! thing. Yeah. Todd, Todd was freaking out. I was like, oh, what happened? I couldn't even talk about how he set it up because I yeah. totally missed it. Mm-hmm. I looked down for one quick second to find a stat and a fact. Boom. And there's so many nuances in the fight where, like, if you look down for a second, a you second, miss it. A second, yeah. yeah. So there's so many things. So, I mean, that's why I try to tell fighters. I'm like, listen, this is my unofficial. I miss things. Like, it's hard, man. It's hard to watch mm-hmm. live. Well, it's good that you're honest about it. I'm sure most yeah. others are not. I try. I try to be anyways. And I think that's why it's good that they have a three-man booth because, you know, sometimes because you ha- at least get a dissenting opinion every yeah. every now and then. And I always thought the three-man booth needs me in the UFC. That's what I keep thinking. That you should join it? Yeah. Because, think about it. There's always that MMA specialist, but the striking commentary is pretty poor. You think so? I, I mean, I would know. The striking commentary from a technical side needs a lot of work. Who's the best at I think Cruz might be the best at it. It's you okay. Say? Yeah. yeah. I would say more with it, but I still think he misses a lot of things, not being a pure striker. Mm-hmm. I still think it's good with the way he does it, but I mean, I think there's a lot missed. Like, mm-hmm. there'll be like 10 low kicks and they won't even talk about it. And, oh, oh, they should keep it. I'm like, man, two rounds ago, they were landing 100 low kicks. You guys didn't even yeah. mention it. Or the jabs landing. There's no what he should do better on the stand-up is kind of weak sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, especially when you got DC, maybe, who's not a pure striker, who doesn't look for yeah. those things. He, he gives really good tips about gra- yeah, grappling and phenomenal. wrestling. Phenomenal. And, and Bisping, also, to his credit, has a lot Bisping's of good... Bisping's good, too. I he's like He's got Bisping. a lot of knowledge in I terms really of like grappling. I really like Bisping on commentary. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, uh, yeah, so I think a nice adding, a nice little striking specialist to it would just give fans a little bit more attention. Bisping's got one thing he needs to correct with his... his uh, commentary. He says, look at that all the time. Look at that. We're yes, all looking the, at it. We're watching the broadcast. Yeah, yeah. We're, But I'm sure I'm We sure all have he knows these little this. things. We all have little I, he's, things. He's cut it down, I've noticed, yeah. but he, he knows it. We all have little yeah. things. I want. There's a lot of things I need to get rid of. Oh, me too. I'm terrible. And I have yeah. over time. I'm I, repeating the same word. Better. I like to say, he's got a pressure. What do I say? Uh, pressure and low kicks. Or like I say the same word for, you got to think, like if someone's game plan is to pressure... You have to think of, you can't just keep using that word pressure. You have to think of different words yeah, to use. But movement. if you're in the movie, in the game, you, you keep saying the word pressure because that's what I call it. Mm-hmm. But you have to say forward pressure. He's got to come forward. He's got to close the distance, you know. He's got to crash the space. You, you just need different words to just say pressure. It's difficult sometimes. There you go. Well, every time you you say pressure, you got to, like, make a little mark. With yeah, a I have, pen. Like, a, like, a thesaurus list of different Do pressure you? words. Yeah, Good. Well, Christian gave me that... Uh, that tip. All right. Well, there you go. It's good. It's good that he's looking up for you. He does. We some people are, some people are sensitive about that kind of thing, but yeah. it's good if you're able to listen and just take that yeah, kind of feedback. For sure. Every time I come back, and uh, you know, one of one of my bosses or senior producer says, "Let's watch this together." Like to me, that's uh, like the, the biggest worst. gift. No, to oh, me, good. I think it's that's the biggest the gift. For me. Where like, we watch it and they say, "This is what you could have done better." Yeah. I'm like a sponge. I'm soaking it all up. I'm like, well, these people are TV people. Like they know. What yeah, I could have yeah. done better. I would rather a colleague than a boss because I'd, I'd get a little nervous. I hate. I just hate hearing the myself. All the time. Just hate hearing myself. Well, that that I agree with that. I don't yeah. like listening to myself or looking either. And but when they point out, it's just little little nuances about television where they're like, "Look, you should look at. You should have looked at the camera right there." It's yeah. Like, okay, but why? Then they explain it, and you're like, "Okay, that makes yeah. sense." Understanding, but you don't have two shots, one shots, do you? you have Sometimes the, looking rarely. to where to talk and the hand position for me was hard. The heck do I do with my hands? Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm, I'm an animated talker. I'm yeah. always using my hands. So I'm like trying to keep my hands in my pockets, mm-hmm. not to go too much. It's distracting sometimes. Well, he, one of the feedback that I got from the, uh, the Connor interview was, you've got to remember the camera is your audience, and it's like you got to pretend that they're part of the conversation. So every now and then, you, when you're talking, answer, asking a question, give a glance to the camera. Yeah, I agree and with that. Ask, and I thought to myself, like, this interview did so well, and people loved it, and I got such good feedback. 
but this is the most important feedback. Like the the negative feedback, the constructive criticism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. is the most valuable 100%. feedback ever because even if I said this this whole interview was a home run, if I can make it a grand slam, I want to make it a grand slam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Uh, a part of me is trying to make it less like structured. You know, that's a big thing for me. I know we always talk about this. Every podcast we get into this kind of stuff. But, I mean, for me, it's more of like, even with my in-ring, I don't want it to be, hey, how are you? Like, so official for the guys. For me, it's kind of like, hey, man, how's it going? Nice to see you. And it just kind of rolls in a little bit more naturally in social. And I think that's helped me out a lot, especially with the fighters because we know each other. It's more of like a, a smoother transition. Like, I find more like it's different because you have to be formal for TSN sometimes. And it's like, so I like to do it. A little less formal when I'm with the guys, and they tend to open up a little bit better. Now, if I would have told you that Curtis Blades was going to be able to beat Junior Dos Santos without landing a single takedown, would you have believed me? Yes and no. Mm-hmm. Yes okay. and no. I thought, I, th- I thought he was going to win in the first two rounds. I called it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he would have hit him, taken him down, and then did the work. But, uh, yeah, straight punches, eh? Straight, long, powerful, big He's the guy, man. Yeah, man. And, and you getting, and, and, and you called better. him out. That was your call in what 2018. I'm pretty sure you called Probably Curtis 2017, Blades. Yeah, that was your guy. You haven't mentioned him in the last little bit, but now he's back. Well, yeah, I, I still have the utmost faith that he's going to be champion one day. Uh, but right now, you know, there's Francis Ngannou, there's Stipe. Like I don't know what's going to happen with the heavyweight belt because it seems Stipe is kind of taking a, a break until his eye is repaired. Cormier is like on the fence if he wants to continue because he doesn't want to sit sit around and wait. And he doesn't want to fight anyone other than Stipe. Yeah, but imagine having that limbo in your life. Like you wanted to retire a year ago, and now, you know, like you're you're sitting around and it's like, well, I, how long am I going to want to wait? Like how much? How am I going to be able to keep this up knowing that I wanted to be retired at this mm-hmm. time? Like there's got to be a mental battle that goes sure. on there. And I'm sure Stipe is now at a point of his career where. Certain fights, big fights, the right fights. He's not going to fight three times a year, yeah. two times a year. He's always injured. Like, this guy made me wait. I'm going to make him wait. Yeah, for I'm sure. I'm going to make him There's sweat. games. There's games oh, there. Oh, for sure. So, I don't know. who. What's the expected return for Stipe? It's they kind of, uh, yeah, it's kind of undetermined. His agent essentially said, like, until we have full clearance on the eyes and that, like, they're willing to say that, like, that his eyes are, like, 100% again, and that he's, you know, not a further risk of injury, um, that then we're going to start talking. And he's like, Stipe wants to face somebody that he hasn't beaten before. And I'm thinking, like, well, that rules out Francis and rules out Cormier. So who are they talking about? Like, yeah. is it just Blades? Or is it, like, Tyson Fury is somebody they keep mentioning? What was it? John Jones stepping up to heavyweight? Would that be a fight? Or there's no talk about that? Yeah, no, they've, they've discussed that Someone's also. mentioned it. I've it's heard been it. mentioned many for years, basically. Yeah. Well, let's see what happens next weekend. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But... Um, with Cormier, though, like, Cormier's got to think, you know, like, this guy believe like, Stipe thinks he has leverage, but the real money fight for Stipe right now is the Cormier trilogy. Yeah, like, yeah. if Cormier walks away, Stipe's like, okay, well, I guess I'm fighting Francis again. Like, you know, what's, would you rather fight Cormier or Francis right now? Like, I think yeah, that... Cormier, for sure. Probably Cormier, because yeah. it's a bigger fight, it's bigger money, and it's less risky, I think, yeah. in terms of... You know, that striking. Nobody wants to get in there with Francis. No, it's no. not 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 to take anything away from Cormier. And Cormier no, is it's probably just more, more like life threatening, physically yes, life threatening. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So I think that right now, Cormier has probably a little bit more leverage than yeah. he thinks. Like, if I was Cormier and I was doing interviews, I'd be out there being like, okay, well, if this guy doesn't want to fight right now and he's 
says he wants to fight somebody that he hasn't beaten before, like I'll just retire. Like it's not a big deal to me. I want it to be retired at this time point yeah. in time, anyways. I'd like to, I'd love to get this one back. But I think but in his mind he wants one more. Of course he does. But like you got to play always, the game a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about gamesmanship. Yeah. I think that if Cormier threatens, like, listen, I'm just going to retire. If Stipe wants to play this game, whatever. He needs me as much as I need him. Yeah. And if he but, has that mindset, then. But I heard DC say too, like, why does Stipe want to take that chance? Like, you got to think out of the two fights they had. That was what ten rounds. Yeah, Th- or Cormier one, won what, eight of those rounds. Exactly. Well, it's not. It's not eight rounds. It was uh, one of them. Was the uh, first one was the first round. Uh, yes, not the, the second one was. Second one was four rounds or five rounds. So five rounds total. Yeah, like five rounds. So he, he dominated won four of those five rounds. Yeah. So I mean, for Stipe, like, and all he had was those body shots in that last one that saved him. But before those body shots, he was getting beat. Yep. He was for losing. Sure. So I mean, for him, it's risky. He knows what he's up against, and I mean, and he's playing the game. But uh, I yeah. I go back to what you said in 2017. Curtis Blades will be the champ, I think. Mm-hmm. At some point in time. Yep. I mean, that's he's, he's his striking sharp, His man. striking got way better. Way better. Like, how long he threw it and used his reach, those straight punches, like, just nasty power, man. The, the, the way Junior DeSanto's head snapped when he got sh- hit with that straight, oh, nasty. Absolutely. Um, all right, so Chris Cyborg uh, wins the featherweight champion in Bellator. Uh, featherweight championship, rather. And now she has won the featherweight championship in four different major promotions. That's pretty impressive. That's very impressive. Yeah. Um, I thought this fight here, she looked great. I thought she she learned from her last fight against Nunez, stayed a little bit more patient, mixed levels with her strikes, set things up well. I mean, she looked great. I, th- I thought, uh, and Bud put on a good fight. You know? Yeah, she looked good early on, but once she put up once a decent fight, yeah, once Cyborg started to figure out the clinch and all that, and yeah. she started to really like, she went like ninety miles per hour. She was throwing major strikes, a lot of volume, and good Bud just had no idea what to do. Yeah, you know, Bud's husband was her corner, and he was screaming at her. But you kind of need that, right? Like, even you have to kind of separate the fact that he's your husband when you're yeah. in that fight. I, I think it's just personal preference. I mean. um, some people like it like, uh, what was it, who, who was just, uh, Frankie Edgar was on Rogan, yeah. saying like, I don't want my corner to just yell at me or something. He was mm-hmm. saying like, tell me what to do. Don't just start yeah. yelling at me. Things is like, I'll just tell them to but shut her husband up. Went into you panic know what I mean? Like he was, she was starting to lose. Yeah. But I know? mean, it's personal. Like I'm not someone who likes to be yelled at. Like, yeah. don't yell at me. Like, yeah, I, I'll, why I'll you come back and at yell at me? you. Yeah. yeah. Like, why are you yelling at me? Like, I'm trying my damn best. Like it. I mean, you don't need to yell at me to keep going or do more. It's like, case by case, right? Yeah, some people like it. Some people need it. Some people before a fight like to get uh, slapped in the face and slapped on the yeah. back. And I'm like, nah, don't, don't slap me in my face. Like, <laughs> I would not be okay with my coach slapping me in my face to wake me up. That's mm-hmm. not what I want to do. Yeah. So, I mean, I you think need somebody who's going to explain. You're, you're an, you have an education background. You want somebody who's going to explain to you what you need to do exactly. in like, a manner where they're teaching. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I see a I'm lot of different agree. philosophies. I should be coaching you. There you go. <laughs> There's a lot of people that do like kind of like pinches. It's mm-hmm. an old school boxing thing where like they pinch you, like yeah. they'll pinch your body, they pinch you just to kind of like get stimulate the, the nerves, yeah. like just to get that feeling to know that nerve feeling. I was like, I thought it was interesting. Like you see them, like um, a lot of boxers will pinch the shoulders, pinch the traps, and just to kind of wake them up to kind of like neurally stimulate yeah. them. We're up against the clock a little bit here, so uh, why don't we make our picks for uh, UFC 247? We'll probably do another pick next week, but uh, why don't we look at UFC 247? Make one pick this week, and if we are able to do a show next Monday, I know you, you don't we have your do schedule yet, yet we, can, we can sort that out, but uh, why don't you go ahead? Uh, I think for this one, I have to parlay again. 
All Just right. a quick shout well, out. We, I hit my parlay yeah. last time. Yeah, Let's not we, give uh, me my credit for my parlay hit. Why don't we, I, yeah, why don't we go over? Because well, I, I get credit too, right? You got credit so too. You, have, uh, you had Angela Hill and I Curtis had Angela Blades. Hill. Both got finishes. Both looked good. It was, it was like a plus easy parlay. Yeah. Easy win parlay for me. And I had uh, Herbert Burns, who also yeah. got a, a good win. I thought you had Pudilova, and we talked about that. but uh, I mentioned that because yeah, I was I saying I had a, a Blades parlay in mind that I would have taken Pudilova with him, but I, I had made my official pick as a Herbert Burns. All right. Okay, so again, pre, um, I'm going to go parlay again. I'm going to do a three-fight parlay. All right. Easy one. John Jones, just to beef it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. John Jones, I'm going to go with Derek Lewis. All right. And my third one, which is going to be a little closer, I'm going to go Mursad Bektik. All right. To beat Dan Ige. Okay, well, I, that one I don't know if I agree with, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a solid parlay. We'll, we'll write that one down, put that in the books. Um, I just can't. I can't go against the value of plus 325 for Dominic Reyes. Like, I, I know that it's John Jones we're talking about yeah. here, but Dominic Reyes is undefeated. He's younger than John Jones. He has a great degree of athleticism, so John Jones might not have that much of an athletic advantage, maybe not even have an athletic advantage mm-hmm. because Reyes is younger. He'll have the reach advantage, Jones, as he always does. But to me, this is the most dangerous fight that John Jones has had since the second Cormier fight. This is a guy who I think has very sharp counters, who's very athletic, who's not going to get taken down easily. He could be someone who poses a problem for John Jones. And at plus 325, again, an undefeated fighter who I think has a lot of upside. John Jones hasn't really been tested in a long time. Mm-hmm. Again, as a credit to John Jones. But I think, and but he's also looked kind of apathetic in his last two fights. His fight against Smith, his fight against uh, Tiago Santos. He's looked a little bit apathetic, like he's you know mm-hmm. going through the motions. And he's kind of admitted as much. He hasn't been able to get up for his fights as much. I think he's going to get up for this fight, but I think that Dominic Reyes poses a lot of problems to just about anybody in that division. Okay. And at plus 325, I That's think that pick. that counter left hand is something that is very dangerous. He throws it with the same kind of um, precision as a Conor McGregor. Like, I, I don't want to compare the two, but I, it's just more that off his back foot, that left, is very dangerous. And uh, going back and watching his fights, it's a, it's a left that he can catch pretty much anybody with. He's going to be dangerous for mm-hmm. at least three rounds. I mean, we'll see how dangerous he is over five and if he tires out. But again, he has a, a strong athletic background as a, as a defensive back from playing college football, especially at his size. Mm-hmm. So that's... I'm finish just, or decision? I think it would be a finish. Final answer? Dominic Reyes? Yeah, Dominic Reyes. What's Whoa. the inside the distance prop? It's not out yet. I'd be interested to see what that is. But if we do another one next week, we'll have to make another we'll pick. Have to, but yeah. yeah, there's my surprise. A bit of a surprise pick. Yeah, you surprised me. Definitely. Now, I, I picked Cowboy Cerrone uh, in January as an underdog, yeah. so this isn't going well for me. Okay. But I, again, I just I think that Reyes is a guy who can pose mm-hmm. a unique threat to John Jones. But even last week, I want to call out, I also should get credit for I told everyone to pick Michael Kies as an underdog. I yeah. called that out last that was, time. Yeah, that was a good good value. That was a good value. And, at, well, I, I did a little... Some side betting, and I won on that as well. So yeah, there you go. I'm happy to have picked Michael. Well, Joe Chiesa. won last year. He's got momentum. That's Let's it. go. I'm feeling it, and this yeah. parlay is going to hit for me. Right now, you're up two dollars on me. 102 dollars to 100. Oh, there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, you got to keep that going too. That's it. If you win, if you're up two dollars every week, you're going to be, you know, lapping me by the end I'm of the riding. year. Riding. All right. Uh, thanks, Joe. And now here's our interview with light heavyweight champion John Jones. We did this interview back in December when they held a press conference for UFC 247 in Las Vegas. The two fighters, Jones and Reyes, will face off at UFC 247 next weekend in Houston, Texas. Here's the light heavyweight champion, John Jones. I'm here with the light heavyweight champion of the world, John Jones. Now, I took a lot of flack this week. I made a big mistake. I went and I outlined 
you at age 28 and Max Holloway at 28, but I wrote that you were 16 and one at the time, and people freaked out on me saying that you didn't lose to Matt Hamill. <laughs> Is this something that still bothers you at all? I like that, I like that. <laughs> Uh, no, it doesn't bother me. You know, I feel like the fans, the supporters, they, they know what happened. They saw the fight and, you know, I think that speaks for itself, the work. Absolutely. You'd be sh shocked at how many people were like appalled oh, that I had put awesome. this out there. I love my fans, <laughs> man. They're so awesome. So uh, Dominic Reyes, I was talking to him before and he says he's never met you before. He's never been face to face with you before. Um, when you see him today and you're, you're looking him in the eyes for the first time, um, what will be going through your head, do you think? Um, I don't know. Probably a lot of rage, a lot of aggression, you know, and obviously the fight's so far away, you know, the key this far out is to control that, control those emotions and just just be chilled out, you know. Can't do nothing today, so um, I'll probably be, be all fired up inside and just chill. You've talked lately about uh, wanting an opponent that you can get out of bed for, somebody that's really going to get you fired up. Now you've beat undefeated guys before, you've beat guys that are younger than you before, but never someone who's both. Is that something that Dominic Reyes brings to the table that intrigues you? Nope, not at all. Um, we all have ages, you know. We're all undefeated at one point in our career. Um, you know, I believe the only reason why Dominic's undefeated is because he hasn't fought me yet. And um, I respect him. I'm, I'm training so hard. Um, I'm super locked in. And, uh, yeah, there's nothing I'm worried about. You know, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just excited about, you know, having a great camp and uh, doing what I do best. You saw to change the rules recently on minimum thresholds, and they, they mentioned that you were a big reason for this, um, so that athletes don't have to go through the kind of thing that you went through, that Sean O'Malley's going through right now. Um, when you heard about the, these changes in the rules, what were your thoughts on them? Oh, I mean, it, I, was, uh, I was grateful. I was grateful that uh, I was able to make a difference in the sport. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully one day in the future, fighters and fans will appreciate it. All right, John, well, it's a pleasure spending time with you, and uh, best of luck this February in Houston. All right, thank you, man. You'll be good. That was John Jones, and now we go to our challenger, Dominic Reyes, undefeated, looking to defeat John Jones and become the light heavyweight champion of the world at UFC 247 in Houston next weekend. I'm here with Dominic Reyes going for the light heavyweight title this February, Houston, Texas. How does that sound to you? <laughs> Sounds beautiful, man. That's, that's, that's the dream, man. That's the plan. I mean, get that title and... Go home. Have you been face to face with John Jones? I know you guys will be after this press conference, but before that, have you? No, I've never met John. Ever. Never. I've seen him fight live, but that's as close as I got to him. So when he comes here to do interviews momentarily, that'll be the first time you've actually see John Jones in person, like up close. Yes. <laughs> that's kind of cool, actually. It's it interesting. Is. Yeah. It really is cool. <laughs> it's like you're fighting this monster, and like it's like it's like fighting the legend, you know, and like not really even like oh, there's a legend of this guy that does all these things, and then you finally see him in person, you're like, ah, he's just a guy. You know, I asked uh, Caitlin Shkagian actually a similar question. You know, Valentina's always considered to be like a boogie, the boogie woman of the division and what this unstoppable champion, and John Jones has that same reputation. Um, how do you block that out of your head? How do you block out and, and make John Jones just another guy that you're going to be fighting? Because everything John's done prior, it's got nothing to do with me, you know? Like... Just like everything I've done prior to him has nothing to do with him. It all ma the only thing that matters is fight night, and we'll see then. Now he's fought undefeated fighters before. He's fought younger fighters before, but never both. And you're the first hey. one to you're the first one to, to, to pose that challenge to him. Do you think that your youth will be uh, an advantage to you? He's I think only fought a younger fighter maybe once in his career uh, since joining the UFC. Wow, I didn't know that. Um, I think just Anthony Smith, yeah. But uh, yeah, my youth is going to be huge. I think my hunger. 
my youth with my youth comes my hunger you know I'm hungry I I, I want to be champion like that's my it's all I want he's been champion you know he's I don't know how he feels or what about keeping it but I'm gonna do everything in my power to take it you know and I think my youth is gonna play a, a big role in this fight now, I think the older and younger thing is actually pretty significant because a lot of the older fighters were fairly one-dimensional. I mean, you grew up in an age where there were well-rounded mixed martial artists, GSP, mm -hmm. John Jones, mm -hmm. um, and I think that that gives a lot of the younger fighters an advantage over some of the older fighters. Do you agree? I agree because when I came in, it was uh, I, I learned MMA. I didn't learn boxing, kickboxing, Muay Thai, wrestling, jiu-jitsu. Like, individually, I learned them all at the same time, but I took... I was taught the things that mat like matter for MMA. Like there's some things you can't do in boxing, you know, that you could do in MMA. There's there's things you can't do in jiu-jitsu that that would you know would hurt you if you did it in MMA. So my whole career was building from the ground up, and it was all MMA stuff. Like so, yeah, I think it's been an advantage learning as like a newer generation guy, I guess you could say. Now, I, again, I mentioned the, uh, the idea of fighting someone, the stature of John Jones in terms of, like, you know, the lore of MMA. But having fought Chris Weidman, a guy that beat Anderson Silva twice, being face-to-face -face with him, a guy that you probably watched coming up, do you think that that helped prepare you for this moment? Yeah. I mean, everything we've done up to whatever moment we're in has prepared us for whatever moment we're in, right? Everything I've done up to now prepared me from talking to you. And it's the same kind of thing. I mean, coming face-to-face -face with Weidman was really cool. It was like, whoa, it's... Chris Weidman, like I'm looking at Chris Weidman right now. I'm about to fight this guy, and uh, it was cool. And like I, you know, I'm allowed to geek out a little bit and and be like, it just makes the experience so much better because I could fully like embrace it. You know, I'm not trying to be oh I'm too tough to be like oh that's pretty cool. I'm fighting Chris Weidman, you know, or I'm fighting John Jones. It's super awesome, but it, it still doesn't change the fact that I'm gonna come out and take their head off. Like <laughs> you you could enjoy things without you know losing your focus, you know what I'm saying? This has been a cool year for you. Obviously, the cherry on top is this title fight, but you've also got uh, some great endorsements of Toyo Tires and the Modelo. Now, I heard that this Modelo deal was good for you because it's actually been your beer of choice for some time. Yeah, no, yeah, uh, it's crazy. It's really crazy. Before the UFC signed with Modelo, that's the only beer I even drank anyway. So, I mean, it works out beautifully. It's like, oh, my favorite beer? Sweet. Like, I'll take it. And I don't know if you used Toyo tires before, but I guess from now on. Oh, yeah. I got the Toyos on my truck. Those things are amazing. It snowed, didn't slip at all. Got to love the Toyo tires. All right, Dominic, thanks for this. I appreciate it, and best of luck in February. Thank you, man. That was Dominic Reyes. Let's see what he has to offer. John Jones, the light heavyweight champion of the world. I mean, nobody's really defeated John Jones, at least not by decision, submission, knockout. He lost once by disqualification to Matt Hamill. And while people get angry when I point that out, it is on his official record and there's nothing I can do about that. So if you're mad, email the commissioner, Steve Mazzagatti, or somebody who's not me, and take it up with them. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll be back next week with more MMA goodness. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.